Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. It is good to look around and see the family of faith coming together, separating themselves from all the cares and worries and duties of life to get into the house of the Lord. No greater place than you can be right now than to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I know that you have come expecting and believing that God will be everything he promised to be. Amen. I pray that your focus is on the Lord. How many today your focus is on the Lord? I know you've got a lot of things going on around you, things and situations, strifes, problems, but when we come to the house of the Lord, we can lay all that stuff down. Amen. We can come in and, and rest in Jesus Christ, and that's the purpose of church, that we can find a place of repose in the Lord. Amen. So it's good to look around and see the family of faith as we are slowly but surely kind of coming back. Many people from vacation and coming back from places and things and all the all the, the, the fun stuff that we do during the summer. We're now getting back into the school year. Man, I think school's only maybe a week away for some, maybe two weeks for some, but we are now getting back into the flow of things, and it's just good to see a lot of faces in the house of the Lord. Amen. I'm going to have you stand as we get into the word of the Lord this time, and I'm looking at the time right now. We're going to spend about 30 minutes in the word of the Lord, maybe 40 minutes if the Spirit of God says so. And we're in a brand new series, a brand new series entitled, What's Up? What's up? Look at your neighbor and say, what's up? What's up? We are in a brand new series entitled, What's Up? And we're going to get into some conversations about four, I'm going to say four cornerstones of the church. You see each, each, each of those areas on uh, the overhead or maybe on the, on the LED screen behind me. We're going to be talking about the church, and that's what we're going to do today, this morning. We're going to talk about service to the Lord. We're going to talk about the Word. And we're going to talk about giving through the month of August. And so I'm encouraging uh, you to allow uh, the Spirit of God to produce in you a brand new perspective. Maybe your perspective on these things has been tainted with time, tainted with bad thoughts and ideology. And we're going to come together. We're going to get ourselves refocused in the things of the Lord. Amen. So we're looking for an awesome time in the month of August in a new series entitled What's Up? Also, for some of you that have been wanting to connect to be part of the family of faith here at Harvest, Harvest Point Church, the last two Sundays of the month of August, we're going to have our partnership classes, and we pray that you'll consider uh, becoming part of this church family, amen, and we want to partner with you. We're going to partner together for the things of the Lord, and so we're encouraging you at the end of the month, last two Sundays of the month of August, immediately following our morning service, we're going to have a, a place for you to come in and partnership with Harvest Point Church. Wonderful things are happening here. We want to connect with you and work with you to see the things of God accomplished right here in our city, Mansfield, Texas. Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you please turn to Psalms chapter 27. I'm reading one verse here and it'll be sufficient enough for us to get our focus uh, where it should be, for us to get our mind onto the things of the Lord. This again is Psalms chapter 27. Uh, beginning at verse 4. I'll read verse 4 in its entirety, and I pray that this will be a, a good summation, at least as we get into this message, a good way for us to review and learn from this man by the name of David, King David. And so you, you see there in your Bible, Psalms 27. Many of you are familiar with this passage of Scripture today in this message entitled, What's Up? And we're talking about the church. So what's up with the church? Amen. So we're going to get our mind together. Listen to David. David says this, Psalms 27, 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, 
want you to see this. One thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after. Somebody say one thing. One thing will I desire, one thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That I may behold the beauty of the Lord. And you see this last one, a beautiful one. And to inquire in his temple. And I'm going to hope as we get into this particular message, my prayer this week has been that I can help you reevaluate why you come to church. That we can evaluate why the house of the Lord retains such significance uh, to the family of faith. And we're going to get into some conversations about that today. Are you ready? We're going to get into some stuff. I pray your heart is ready to hear the word of the Lord here in Psalms uh, 27.4. We're going to expound on that just for a while. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to come into your house. An expression of of your glory, your purpose. An expression of your beauty and the ability to commune. And we come together as the family of faith for the purpose of finding you. So Holy Spirit, I pray that, that above all you guide us back into the heart of God. Guide us back into his mind, into his purpose, into his will. And above all... Guide us into the love of God as we should. I pray help and strength for everybody that's here, both member and guest alike. That nobody get lost in the translation, that the things that will be said won't create confusion, but rather a clarity into the things of the kingdom of God that we might be more fruitful. And as it is, Holy Spirit, we don't pray 30, we don't pray 60, but we pray 100 times that which was sown, the word that is sown, into fruit into the kingdom of God right here at this church. And so we're praying for fruit to come from this message. We need that fruit, uh, Father. We need that to be evident of you. And so we pray that here in our church and in our fellowship. And we pray that together. And no greater name that we can pray than that beautiful name we call Jesus. Amen. And amen. Listen, before you see it, when you go find somebody, when you see them, all I want you to do is tell them this. Tell them what's up. What's up? Just go find somebody, find five or six people, give them a hug, and say, what's up? What's up, brother? What's up, sister? Amen. What's up? What's up? <laughs> What's up? What's up, family of faith? What's up, all you that are watching by stream? Uh, we welcome you to the house of the Lord. Amen. 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 What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? How awesome that is. How awesome that is. What's up? What's up? I see the family of faith greeting each other. That's always good to see the brothers and sisters in faith, guests and friend alike, coming by and hugging each other and greeting each other in the Lord. No greater thing in the fellowship of the family of faith. Amen. There's power in the house of the Lord. Amen. It's good to see people greeting each other, saluting each other in the love of God. How marvelous it is that we have a God 
who sought us by love. I often sense in the house of God that that is always our underestimation of God in that God sought us by love. Long before you would ever know God or know anything about God, his purpose was to find you with his great love. I mean, it could be in the mind of God and the estimation of the things of God that he could have sought you in his wrath and in his anger. But rather God sought the family of faith, the people of God, by love. It is a dangerous thing when you find somebody who loves you the way God loves you because you always have to address the manner of love. You know, if, if, if you're in school and you get a little note, some little girl says, uh, I love you, circle yes or no, if you like me back, you, you better give her an answer. <laughs> Years ago when I was in school, I remember getting a little love letter and the times I would, you know, uh, you know, maybe not answer the letter. One particular occasion, this young girl gave me a gift with the letter. And, and, and some of you that are from up north, you know that like, a lot of people like to eat pine nuts. Anybody ever had pine nuts? So she gave me a big bag of pine nuts. Anybody knows that pine nuts are expensive? Anyway, I, I didn't answer the letter, but I ate the nuts. It wasn't until later when I got to the cafeteria, everybody thought we were going steady because she said she accepted the gift of the pine nut. <laughs> he must like me. Uh, today, we've accepted the gift. You, you say, preacher, what gift did I receive? You received the gift of the person, Jesus Christ, who is the expression of the fullness of the love of God towards you. Uh, it is my estimation, my thought towards you, that how many today would say, I received the gift of the love of God and the person called Jesus Christ. We are now in the love conversation, in communion with God as it relates to his great love for us. I grew up in a time where uh, they would teach us uh, the expression of the love of God uh, through song. How many, how many remember the song? In fact, if you have your Bibles, why don't you open it? First John chapter 4. Some of y'all remember the song we used to sing when we were kids. Beloved, let us love one another. Remember the little kid song we used to sing when we were in kids' church? Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. How many remember this? And the Bible says, herein is love. Not that you love God, but that God loved you and gave his son to be a propitiation for our sins. You know why we love God? We love God because he first loved us. He loved you when you were unlovable. He loved you when nobody knew your name. He loved you when everybody discarded you. God loved you at your worst and gave to you his very best. This is the love of God. This is the love of God. Friend, I don't, I don't know your motivations I don't know the inner dealings of your heart. I don't know why you came to church today, but if it's absent of the love of God, you've wasted your time. And there's throngs of people who don't understand that in the house of the Lord, we're drawn to God out of our love for God. Is not this the work of the Holy Spirit? To produce in you the greatest commandment of them all, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and with all thy soul. 
It's not this the work of the Spirit of God in us? Amongst all the things that the Spirit of God is doing, which is a lot of things, the Spirit of God is producing you every manner of manifestation of God. Yet the greatest work of the Spirit of God in your life is to produce a love for God that cannot be turned or thwarted or turned aside. It is a steadfast love that we have for God. Most believers don't recognize that God's love, His love for you, is like a consuming fire. You have a jealous God. Anybody know what it's like to be jealous? Have you ever been jealous before? You know, jealous people slash your tires. They'll roll your house with toilet paper. They'll sneak up on you. They'll, they'll, they'll call AT&T and, and, and get all the information from your phone. They'll know every text you're making. They'll know every call you're doing. You know, jealous people get out of their mind. Your God is a jealous God. We're in a generation, a culture now, that I believe the church has inverted itself. It no longer comes through the doors as an expression of their love for God. We're here for a lot of different reasons. And some of us, if you're like me, even a pastor who has legitimate duty in the house of the Lord, you know, we could just come to do ministry and we miss that we're here because we love God. Uh, some people can be here because it's convenient. Oh, that church is just right down the way. Or, 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 or maybe you're here because you have some thing. You're involved in some ministry and purpose under God. And we miss coming for our love for God. Uh, our driving motivation, friend, brother, sister, hear me clearly. The driving motivation of the house of God is a love for God. There's something in here that you can't get anywhere else. There's something going on in the house of the Lord that if we all come collectively in the right frame of mind, we can manifest the purpose of God right here. And that's what people are after. Uh, you, you realize that there's a lot of people when looking for churches, they want to, well, who has the best kids program? Who, who has the best youth program? How is their college and career class? And we have all manners of things in selecting the church except for, is God there? Is the presence of God found? Can I find God? Can you imagine if the church began to really think through what it does? That when you come through the doors, all I want you to do is to see God. I want you to see the manifestation of the Lord. I want you to be in the presence of God. I want you to be able to come and come to these altars and make an inquiry of God, to request of God, and to see the power of God. For the kingdom of heaven is not a matter of talk but of power. Brother and sister, I didn't come to introduce you to me. I came to introduce you to God. David is, is probably the most qualified of the Old Testament patriarch to deliver to a New Testament church the purpose of the house of God. David says, I've come to the house of the Lord. It's a delight. Is it not David that said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Touch your neighbor and say, why are you frowning then? You look like you don't want to be in the house of the Lord. David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You know why? Because David knew the glory of God was present. David said, there's one thing that I'm after. One thing. He says, I want to come and I want to dwell with God. I want to be in the presence of God. 
David says, I want to see the beauty of the Lord. The beauty of the Lord is contextualized by, by the Ark of the Covenant in his day, but we see it as Christ. He's come to see Jesus. He says, I want to inquire. I want to commune with God, which is the evidence of the Holy Spirit. He says, I've come to see the power of the Godhead. Do, do you know that the power of the Godhead is so profound in the world that God said, everything that I've made, I've made by the power of the Godhead. And that's so that any man who goes outside and sees the work of God and doesn't believe in God, he's given over to a reprobate mind. Because the invisible God is made visible in creation because it is the power of the Godhead. David says, I want to go see the Father. I want to be with him. I want to dwell. I want to be in the presence of the Almighty. I want to be where I can see the beauty of God, the goodness of God. Could I share to you the glory of God? And I want to commune. I want to talk with God. Isn't that all one, the same thing? Isn't that the beautifulness of how we would even describe heaven, to be with God, to see the beauty of the Lord, to talk with God, to commune with God? Is that not heaven itself? He's after one thing. What are you after? What, what brought you here? I mean, I mean, what's up with you? What's up with your image of Jesus and your image of the church and its purpose here in Mansfield, Texas? What's up with Harvest Point Church? What is it doing? What does it exist for? I mean, what's up? What's your motivation? Why did you come? What caused you to get dressed up to find your way into the house of the Lord if it wasn't for your love for God? And friend, anything secondary to that. If, if there's anything for your reason and, and, and you're coming to the house of the Lord, if there's anything else, you're wasting your time. We are here to see God. We want to see his glory. We want to see his purpose. We want to know God. Why are we here? What's up with our attendance? You, you realize that your church attendance won't lead you to heaven. If it's not grounded in the love of God. Nothing works unless we're working out of that great love. I mean, what's up? What's happened to us? What's happened to the church? What happened to us? I mean, what's up? Is this what we want out of God? Are we looking for a program? Are we looking for a kids ministry? What are we looking for? Are we looking for a big church, a small church, this, that, the other? What are we looking for when we come to church? Are we here because we have the best cold brew? I don't know what brought you in. There's donuts in the lobby. Do, do you realize that in the culture that we live, there's a way to build a church that doesn't have nothing to do with God? And they tell you, do these things, and if you do these things, people will show up. But what are they showing up for? It certainly isn't God, because we've removed him. 
Do you know that not only do we have a jealous God, but God doesn't share his glory. He says, I am the Lord God. I will not give my glory to another. That's what the prophet Isaiah said, chapter 42. God said, listen, I'm jealous for my glory. There's only one way to get it. You got to love him. No other way to benefit or to be involved in the very presence of God but to love the Lord thy God. God said, if you love me with all your heart, you'll find me. We've got to love him first. You, you, you see, one of the inherent issues within the church is that we're Gentiles, so we don't have any history. You, you know, Gentiles, we can be groomed and, and, and maneuvered just by the sleight of hand. But the Israelite wasn't like that. The Israelite knew that God was full of glory. They had a history with God. See, see, for some of you, your history just started a year or two ago, 10 years ago, uh, 15 years ago. The glory of God goes all the way back to the beginning. And the Israelite was called. And God said, I'm going to invest in you the purpose of my beauty. God produced a prefigure called the Ark of the Covenant. It's the glory of God. Some of y'all know the stories where, and just a little history, because I think some of you, I need to catch you up on what we're dealing with. Because I think some of us come to church and we don't know that there's a rich history of the glory of God in his house. I'm not, I'm not speaking today as a matter of today. I'm speaking as a matter of always. That God has always had glory. And he's always manifested his beautifulness. And God has always answered prayers. And we've got a powerful God. And it's David who, who had the history. He knew what God was doing. Maybe not in all the symbols and the theology that we have today. And I can expound on that with you today. But David didn't have this teaching. But he knew uniquely that God's glory was in his house. Well, how was God's glory in his house? Because the Ark of the Covenant was there. Anybody ever heard of the Ark of the Covenant? Moses said, Lord, I, I'm going to do what you ask me to do, but I don't want to go without you. And God said, listen, if you're going to go with me, I'm going to have to produce something so that I could travel with you. So, some of y'all know the story that there was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. You're going to build a tabernacle, a tent, and in that tent I'm going to dwell in a holy place. And I'm going to give to you the Ark of the Covenant, a prefigure of the person Jesus. Do you know the Ark of the Covenant is, is the consummation of the beautifulness of God? Do, 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 you, do you know that that Ark was so beautiful that inside the Ark of the Covenant were three things placed inside the Ark of the Covenant? The, 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 the bowl of manna, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, and the Bible says Aaron's rod that budded. You know why it was placed inside the Ark? These were the three things that God could hold against man. Three ways God would judge us, but you know, he put it inside the ark. And in order for God to judge you, he'd have to look past the mercy seat and the blood. I mean, it's a sign of perfection and the beautifulness of God. It is incredible to know that God made the ark of the covenant as a prefigure of his son, which was to come. 
It was the glory of God. It was the fullness of the consummation of all that God wanted to give to Israel. But he did it in form. He did it in symbol. Some some of y'all may not know some of the history of the Ark of the Covenant, but it was placed behind a veil. And one time a year, a priest could come in, one for himself and one for the nation of Israel, but only for a moment, for a fleeting second. And he sprinkled that blood seven times over the ark, over the seat. And he got out of there. For a moment, just for a fleeting second, he saw the beautifulness of God. He was in the presence of God. He was communing with God. Just so happened that uh, as you go through the history and the annals of the scriptures, that there was a, a judge by the name of Eli who had two sons who had defiled himself before God. And they went into battle. Some of y'all know the story in Saint, uh, I believe it's 1 Samuel chapter 4. If it's not there, you'll look around, dig around, you'll see it. That they went into battle, and when they went into battle, they arrayed themselves against the Philistines and Ebenezer. And the Bible says that when they went into conflict, that 4,000 Israelites were killed. And so the, the, the Israelites retreated and regrouped, and they said, let's bring the Ark of the Covenant out of Shiloh onto the battlefield. The Bible says that when they brought the Ark of the Covenant, that even the Philistines said, what should we do? That's the Ark of the Covenant. We saw what that thing did to Egypt. They were terrified. Of the glory of God. The Bible says that they said within themselves, well, we must fight more valiantly unless we be taken as servants and slaves into the nation of Israel. And so the Bible says that they re-engaged Israel and they killed 30,000 Israelites. They supposed that they would bring the Ark of the Covenant onto the battlefield only to have that Ark stolen. Some of y'all know this story that when a, a, a young man from the tribe of Benjamin made it back to Eli, and he recounted what had happened. The Bible says that Eli was 98 years old. His eyes were dim. He was a heavy man. And when he heard the news that the Ark of the Covenant had been stolen, the glory of Israel was gone, that he fell over off his chair. He hit his head against the fence and snapped his neck. The Bible says that uh, his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, Phinehas' wife who was pregnant, when she heard that the Ark of the Covenant had been stolen, she was so terrified, she went into great pains and began to, a premature labor. And as she was dying, she was given birth. And they said, what is his name? And she said, Ichabod, for the glory of the Lord has left Israel. For the Ark of the Covenant has been taken. Brother and sister, there's a history in the church concerning the glory of God. You may not know this story, but the Israelites, <laughs> when they lost the glory of God, the Philistines took, <laughs> they took the Ark of the Covenant and took it to their temple and they put the Ark of the Covenant next to their God, Dagon. And the Bible says the next day when they got up, Dagon was lying on his face before the Ark of the Covenant. And the Bible says those priests had to come and lift their God up and, and put their God back up. Let me say it again. They had to come and lift up their stone image, that totem pole of a God, and stand him back up before the Ark of the Covenant. The Bible says the next day when they went back in, not only was the, their God fallen over, but his head was chopped off, his arms were taken off, and he was removed from the threshold in which he stood. 
This is the glory of God. This is a glory. You're going to bow to the glory of the Almighty. You're going to bow to it, baby. I don't care who you are, what you think you are. I don't care what God it is. You're going to bow to the glory of God. They didn't know what to do with the Ark of the Covenant. Because they were touching the glory of God. They didn't know how to handle it. Because of their, their ignorance, the Bible says that a plague came over Ashdod where the temple was and the people were plagued with hemorrhoids. Touch your neighbor and say, he said hemorrhoids. Hemorrhoids, you know hemorrhoids. Look at your neighbor and say, God don't play, man. He, <laughs> he put that hemorrhoid on you, man. That ain't no good, you know, when you get a hemorrhoid, you know, you... That'll mess your life up. I don't want to ask you to raise your hand if you've had a hemorrhoid. We just leave that privately to yourself. If you've ever had to use Preparation H, we'll just leave it between you and God. I don't know what's been happening in your life, but a hemorrhoid don't play. The Bible says they were bleeding to death. You see, those priests got that ark out of that temple, and everywhere they took the ark, the plague followed them. Do, do, do you know that they finally decided to make a, a peace offering with God and they made a five golden figures of hemorrhoids? Uh, they, they said that the, 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 the contagion was so bad that rats came and they say that there was a bubonic plague in, in Philistine. This is the glory. And the Bible says that when they, when they finally got it over back into Israel, they took it to Beth Shemesh. And the Bible says that people looked onto the Ark of the Covenant. Some even looked inside and 50,000 men died for looking into the Ark of the Covenant. Because this is the glory of God, baby. And you don't mess with the glory of God. I mean, God is jealous about it. And we should be jealous about it. And we should know why we're here. We're here because we want to see the glory of the Almighty. Finally, the Bible says that they took the Ark of the Covenant over to Abinadab's house and, and, and they consecrated his son Eliezer uh, to, to, to guard the covenant, uh, 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 the Ark of the Covenant. And you know, David, David said, I'm after one thing. I want to dwell with God. I want to see the beauty of the Lord and I want to commune with God. But how can I do that if the Ark of the Covenant isn't in the house of God? And so he purposed to go pick it up. You know the story. This is the history church. That David went to Abinadab's house to take the Ark of the Covenant. Guess what? He didn't know there's a way to carry that Ark. And he put the Ark on the back of a cart. And as that cart moved along behind that oxen that it hit a little bump in the road. And the Ark started to slide off. And his, his warrior, his main guy, Uzziah, went to hold the Ark of the Covenant back. And when he touched the Ark of the Covenant, he died right where he stood. Because this is the glory of God. David got mad. And he said, God, why did you do that? He said, listen, you're talking about my glory. No man's going to touch the glory He got smart. He went back and read the scriptures and found out that only the priests are supposed to handle the Ark of the Covenant. And there's a reason why God put gold rings so you could slide a pole in it and pick the, the Ark up on each end. 
Do, do, do you know the story where, where the Ark of the Covenant is coming back into the city of David? And the Bible says that David was dancing in the streets. The Bible says he was wearing a linen ephod and, 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 and maybe he didn't have no drawers on. I don't know the story completely, but... The Bible says that as he danced, people saw his nakedness. And he danced, they said, like a fool, shamelessly. Because the Ark of the Covenant was coming back to the house of David. Back into the temple, back into Jerusalem. It was David's heart to see the glory of God restored to the house of God. And he danced. And he sang. And he, let, he was shameless in his dancing. He didn't even look like a king. He lost every semblance of his majestic abilities and he lost all his regalness and he just danced before God because the glory of God was coming. The Bible says that his wife that was given to him by Saul, y'all know these stories, you should know these stories. These should be embedded in your spirit. This is the history of the church. That The Bible says that, 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 that Saul's second daughter, y'all know the story of the exploits of David and Goliath, how Saul gave to David his second daughter, Michael. And the Bible says that when she saw David dancing like that, she despised him. And when David came back to his, to his house, she said, how, how, why did you dance like that? You look like a fool. You look like a common man. You didn't look like a king. David said, you thought I was crazy. I'm going back into the streets. And if you thought I was crazy then, you ought to watch me now. For the glory of God has returned to the house of God. And I'm going to dance. And I'm going to celebrate. And I'm going to glory in it. And the Bible gives this short little phrase that she never, she died barren. Because she, even she didn't recognize the value of the glory of God. Friend, guest, member, what's up? What's happened to us? What's happened to the church? Are you zealous for God? Does your heart weep? Can we cry for the church? Just say, this isn't it. Listen, I'm not telling us not to have good programs, and I'm not telling us not to be uh, friendly and have all the expressions of church when you come, and not to have good this and good that, but if that's why people are coming, we're not giving them what they actually should be coming for. We should be coming for the glory of the Almighty. Listen, do you know God's presence will change your life? You get one visage of God. You get one glimpse upon him. You'll never be the same. All you need is to look upon God, to see God, to have a knowledge of God, to have eternal life. Friend, I'm here to tell you we want to be excellent in everything. But if we're not excellent in loving God, we're not excellent in nothing. I spend all my week crying for the anointing. I spent all my week saying, I'm not going, Holy Spirit, go in me. Because I don't want to give to you men's wisdom. I want to give to you the wisdom that can only come from God. Wisdom that comes from the Spirit of God, that stands in the power of God. That the things that shall be said to you will be of evidence to you, not just today, but in years to come. 
that you'll remember the words of the Lord, that they'll have an impression upon you. This is the house of the Lord. You see, the Ark of the Covenant was an expression of that beauty. Let me repeat it again. To dwell with God is the heart of God is the figure of the Father. To dwell is the Father. The beauty is Christ. To commune is the Holy Spirit. It is the fullness of God. Do you know that until you get rooted and grounded in love, you'll never know the fullness of the Father? Do, do, do you know that when love finally comes, you have all the energy in the world? Do, do you know that the labor of church is only labor because you don't love God enough? You know why it's hard to get out of bed on Sunday? Because you don't love God enough. You know why it's hard to read your Bibles? Because you don't love God enough. Every spiritual discipline in the kingdom of God is empowered by the love of God. And once you get the love of God, everything comes easy, baby. I've been told, you say, well, preacher, where are you getting this theology from? I've been told that when you love what you work, you stop working. I've been told that when you, when you love what you do, you stop having a job. I've been told that when you love what you do, it no longer becomes work. It becomes a passion. It's what I call the soul. Listen, we're all to blame. All of us, myself included. It's so easy, listen, to get your eyes off why we are here. Look, I'm a preacher. I come, I got a lot of duty on Sunday morning. Sometimes we can become full of duty and not the love of God. Sometimes we can come because we've got this and then the other and you want to plug, connect to that and you want to plug into that and you want to come and fellowship and talk and all the things that go part are a part of church fellowship and the love of God. But listen, brother and sister, if you're not here because of your desire to be in the presence of the Almighty and if you're in a church where the presence of God is never manifested, get out! It is Ichabod! We've lost our focus. We've lost our reason for being church. I mean, I don't got to get too deeper than that. Touch the name and say, that's as far as we're going to go. If you don't want it, you don't want it. You see, I'm that brother that go to a party, and there's that one piece of pizza left, and everybody's looking around, well, who wants it? I want it. I'll just swip in and eat it right in front of your face. <laughs> who wants it? Anybody want this last piece? I do. I want it, Brother Paul. I want everything God has. I want to see the fullness of God. I want to see the power of God. I want to see God unveil himself. I want to see the beauty of the Lord. I want to talk with God. I want to express to God. I want to be in his presence. That's what I'm after. And you should be too. Do you know that every deficit in this church, the deficit is our love for God. Every deficit. Everything that we lack in here is because somebody doesn't love God the way they should. Let me break it down. Let me break it down. You ready for me to break it down? I'm just starting. I'm just getting started in the message. So I don't know what time. At 1035, touch your neighbor. We're going late today. We're going late today. 
We're going late today. We're going to go maybe, maybe five, ten minutes late, but you're going to get what you're going to get. Amen. L listen, do you know that when Jesus was crucified, when, when, when Jesus said, it is finished, for you know, Jesus said, this command of I from the Father, I have the power to lay down my life and to pick it right back up again. When Jesus said, it is finished, when he gave up his ghost, that inside the Holy of Holies, from the top of that veil to the bottom of that veil, it was ripped. God saying, I'm not going to dwell in the house made with hands. I'm not going to be a sight. That's why Christians don't have Mecca. I don't have to go somewhere to find God. I don't have to take a pilgrimage. I don't have to get on a plane. I don't have to start walking with my cane to look like a holy man to get over to a holy God. Because you see, God said, in those last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit. And I'm going to put my spirit in places in a temple that's not made with hands. And I'm going to create a living tabernacle, a tabernacle that walks around, that inside that tabernacle is the person we call Jesus Christ. And I'm going to put my glory and my beauty and my spirit inside that soul. I'm going to put it on side of him. Know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are the heritage. You are the, you are the consummation of the fullness of the history of the glory of God in one person. You stand in the glory of God. Get up right now and go find five people and tell them you stand in the glory of God. Get up right now and go find five people. Give them a big hug and say, baby, you stand in the glory of God. Go tell somebody. Go tell somebody, if you're watching by stream, you stand in the glory of God. You stand in the glory. You're the, you're the history of the church. You're the fulfillment of all that God wanted. Give somebody a high five and say, you're a bad boy. You, you're a bad girl. You stand in the glory of God. Real good preaching. Do, do, do you know the elevation that would happen just at this church if we started saying we're after the glory? Do, do, do you know the level of elevation that would happen in this church if we all said to ourselves, we're here this morning searching for the glory of the Almighty, the beautifulness of God? Do you know the elevation that would happen instantly? To a God who's jealous. You know, there's a lot of big churches around town, but it doesn't mean God's there. There's a lot of things happening down on the Civic Square. It doesn't mean God is in it. You see, God sends me to preach to you to get you back to what it is, why we're here. What's up with the church? Have we lost our focus? Do you know that the Bible says that if you keep your eyes steadfast on him, he'll give you the desires of your heart. In other words, he's not going to satisfy you. He's going to satisfy himself in you. 
I'd rather have God than anything else. Anybody figure that out already? I'd rather have God than anything. I want him. Nothing less than him. Brothers and sisters, do you know that, that when, when Jesus died on the cross, the temple veil, say Matthew 27, read it for yourself, was ripped in two. He said, I'm not going to hide behind a curtain anymore. I'm going to make a deposit in you. You hear the spirit ring in your heart. I'll never leave you nor forsake you so that you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I don't got to be looking around. Where's God? And how, you know, he's right there with you. I don't got to wonder where it is. I can't wander far. He's in me. Wherever I stand is holy ground. Whenever I touch this blessed of God, well, how can that be? Because I'm the temple of the Almighty, and where I am is the glory of God. I believe that with all my heart. This is what Jesus says. I, I'll give it to you like this. Do you, do you, do you know? Well, catch this. So the greatest commandment, love the Lord thy God with all the heart, soul, strength, and mind. The second is like unto it, love thy neighbor as thyself. That's what the Spirit of God is doing in us. It's producing a love for God and one for another. And let me show you how it works. There's a lot of people who say they love each other, but I don't think it's true. Because I want to give you a new perspective. I want to give you a new perspective. Check this out. Jesus says wherever two or three of you come together. Say Matthew 18. I quote this verse all the time. He said wherever two or three come together in my name, there am I in the midst of you. And to prove to you that the beauty of God is present, he says, wherever two or three come together, agreeing by touching any one thing, whatever they ask of the Father, he's going to give it to them. Because the beauty of God is going to appear. See, let me digress. Most people don't understand what holiness is. And you know, we get into these facsimiles of holiness, and we dress a certain way, and we talk a certain way, and we try to act real pious, but that has nothing to do with holiness. Do you know that the word holy, as it relates to God, cannot be defined? Theologians can't define it. And if you ever meet a man or a woman who wants to define to you the holiness of God, tell them, brother and sister, you don't know what that is. No man knows what it is. All we know is that it's a cut above everything else. In fact, it's indescribable. You can't put words to it. There aren't enough adjectives in our vernacular to attribute to God his holiness. It is that far gone. It is that way out of the way. It is so far you can't even comprehend the holiness of God. So what he does to reveal to you his holiness is he produces something called his goodness. That's why when Moses says, Lord, I want to see your glory. He says, listen, you can't see my glory. For if you ever saw my holiness, you'd surely die where you stand. But there's a place by me, there's a rock where I can stand you on Jesus. And I can reveal to you my beautifulness. And it was there that Moses saw the goodness of God. And he shined like the sun. And he shined like the sun. Give your neighbor a high five and say he shined like the sun, baby. You know why the church has lost its brilliance? We don't occupy ourselves enough in the beautifulness of God. It's been a long time since you've had yourself a lick of the lollipop. That's why you're so sour. I don't know. I, you know, I get in trouble because I like to give candy away. Everybody's always getting mad at me. My nephews and these babies, you know, I'm giving kids candy. And 
my little BJ comes around. I'm having to sneak him some candy so Megan don't see. Generation of kids can't even have candy. Look at your neighbor and say, get you some candy, baby. Put some sweet in your life. My Jesus is sweet. You see, I believe so much in the goodness of God that I'm past will God do it. I know he'll do it because I've got a sweet God. I've got a loving God. I've got a God who cares for me. I've got a God who dwells in me. I've got a God who said, listen, I'm going to manifest my glory and my beauty in your life. I know my God's going to do it. The question is, do you believe God will do it? My God's sweet. You see, that temple veil was ripped in two. Because God said, I'm not going to dwell behind a curtain. I'm not going to be a location. I'm going to live in you. I'm going to live in you. You experienced that lately? A God that lives in you? Who's always calling you to himself. You know, I told my family, I, I told my kids, y'all can do whatever y'all want now. Y'all big, y'all grown, y'all want to do it all by yourself, go do it. The only person that ever takes my hand is my wife and my grandson. I said, so don't get mad when I don't give you nothing. Because when I'm giving out, you may not be with me. How many know today God said, I'm with you? Why don't you take my hand? Walk with me. Go with me. Stay near me. Don't turn away from me. You see, God wants to be with us. Jesus said, wherever two or three, watch this. For some of you that, you, 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 I really want to talk to you about your love for God. Because friend, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step on your toes. Because do you realize that when we became the temple of God, we became a member of the body of Christ. Uh, this is what's here this morning. The body. Uh, we, we are the prefigure, the ark of the covenant in flesh. We've, we've come together. We are members in particular. We're, we're each one of us having something to do. Why do you say you love the family but you do nothing? I'm talking about the glory. But listen, the ear can't say to the nose, I don't need you. Or the eye can't say to the ear, I have no need of thee. Do you know how many people on Sunday morning make a decision of whether or not they want to go to church or not, whether or not they've slept enough? Well, I don't know, you know, I'm a little tired and sometimes, you know, I ain't got time for all of that and plus church is two hours and I got things I got to do today. It's Sunday, I got to go to work on Monday with little to no thought about me. Have you ever noticed that when you need faith, you need somebody to stand with you in faith? Have you ever seen that about faith that you, you say you have a lot of faith until you're going through? 
But isn't it amazing that where two or three come together, uniting their faith together, Jesus shows up, and what we ask God to do actually happens because we're coming together as the covenant of God. All the pieces are amassing itself. And when we all come together and do what God's designed us to do in the house of the Lord, then everything comes together. The house of God is fitted. And friend, let me tell you something. I don't care if you got one gift or a hundred gifts. You're supposed to be here. Bringing your gift to the house of the Lord. And listen, when you stop coming for yourself, the revelation and the fullness of God will meet every need in your life. You know, I know a lot of times people come to church and and then they start surveying the church. What do they have and what they don't have? Not realizing that maybe God sent you there to fill a need. Oh, I just said something, man. I guess people, I'm talking about the love for God and love for the brethren. A love for the glory of God. You know, people will come to Harvest Point and they'll critique it. Oh, they don't have this, they don't have that. But maybe God brought you here to satisfy that. Maybe God opened your eyes to the need of the ministry so that you'll put your hands to the work of God that the people of God may be helped and edified. <laughs> Brother, it's not about you and what we have and what we don't have and how you're going to be satisfied and this, that, and the other for your life. It's learning that in the church we come together as the expression of the beauty of God. And when we're coming, we're coming for each other. I don't come to church for me. I tell my family, listen, on Sundays I don't belong to you. I belong to the family of faith. I belong to the brother, the sister. My kids grew up in that. They saw that at times you know, a, a phone call would take me away from the family. Why? Because I don't live for me. I live for you. Oh, I just said something. I just said something. I mean, what's up? What's happened here? Can I read something to you? I mean, man, come on, somebody. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be sad. Be glad. You see, because I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I I'm going to read something to you, and then I'm just going to let it fall where it, went, where it may. Uh, next week, I'm going to talk about service because you should be serving the Lord. And that's a big word. And I think there's a lot of people that just discount service. Do you know that service is a reflection of your love for God? Do, do, do you know that James said that your service is an act of faith? Because faith without works is dead. Listen, listen, you, you know here at Harvest Point, I'm going to make you grow up. And for every person in here that's ever prayed, God, use me, I'm the brother that'll use you. So a year from now, don't be telling your friends, oh, I go to church, man, all they do is use me. Well, that's your prayer, brother and sister. That's your prayer, wasn't it? God, I just want you to use me. If you can do it, if you can use anybody, use me. And then you come and I start you, and then you get upset because I'm using you. And you know what? I may not say thank you, so get over it. I may just let God bless you, and I may just let God give you your reward. I may not pat your back, but Jesus is going to pat your back. God's going to pat your back when he says to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the reward I prepare from you before the foundations of the world. Touch your neighbor say, you may not be thanked. You may not be applauded. 
The work that you do, maybe nobody might see, but God sees it. And you're going to walk in the love of God and in the purpose of God and in the hand of God. And to some of you that right now, listen, if you're here and you've got lack in your life, let me tell you what your lack is. Your love for God and your love for the church, the brethren. You know why you have financial difficulty? Amongst many things, one of them is your love for God in serving the house of God. For the laborer is always worthy of his wages. I know where, I know where to eat my bread and I, would, I know where my bread comes from. For every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow of variableness in turning. Let me read this to you. There should be no schism in the body. No division, nobody up here, nobody down there, nobody in the middle. But that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. This is the body, church. This is the body. Let me say it again. Listen, I don't doubt God's love for me. And for some of you, maybe you, you're loving God. The question is, are you loving your neighbor, your brother, your sister? He says, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ. You are the ark of the covenant. You are the glory of God. Can you say, can you tap your chest and say, I'm the glory of God. I'm the ark of the covenant in flesh. That means that when you walk through the door, the beauty of God comes with you. Listen, listen I, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to... The Spirit of the Lord is talking to me. i got to say this. Listen, stop coming to church thinking about you. Because you know what happens if you think about you? You're never going to think you're good enough to serve the Lord. Stop bringing your past up. Stop telling God and your brothers and sisters that you're not smart enough. That you haven't been saved long enough. Or you don't know enough of the Bible. Or you don't know this or you don't know that. Stop bringing yourself up. You were have supposed to have died when you started following Jesus. You are now a new creature. A new creature made in the image of God. Made for the glory of God. Made in the power of God. You're a new creature. How many believe that when you get saved you become a new creature? You're a new creature. I, 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 quit telling everybody you're an ex-convict. Quit telling everybody, yeah, I used to be a drunk. I used to be a drug addict. Start introducing yourself as a child of God, a son, a daughter of God. Say, I was born of the Almighty. I'm not none of that. The only identity you should have is Jesus. The only image you should want to bear is Jesus. When we come in that attitude, listen, you're coming through the doors uh, and, and we're assembling the ark of coming. Do you know that, listen, we may not hear as well because the ears didn't come today. Let me say that one more time. This church may be suffering right now because the ears of the church didn't come. Maybe somebody with the gift of interpretation didn't show because they just thought they meant nothing, that they had no role to play. Somebody is going to speak in tongues that nobody will interpret. Or somebody is going to prophesy a word of wisdom, the healing, the gifts of faith, the miracles. We're missing those things. Why? Because the glory didn't come. And who's the glory? You. You bring that glory in. 
because the Spirit of God manifests Himself in you. Listen, if you love me, you'll show up. I love you, I show up. And I didn't come today thinking about me, I came today thinking about you. And while I think about you, God's thinking about me. And you see, as I work for you, He works for me. And how many know God can do better work than you can work? His work is so far superior than yours. And while I'm working with you, He's working with me, and He's helping me in ways I cannot see. You see, this is the Ark of the Covenant. This is the, this is the glory. I want you to see there's a history, church. This goes all the way back to the foundation of time, bringing us all the way forward. And I say to the church today, what's up? What's happened to us? What's happened to you? What's happened to you? Sometimes we're here, but we're not here for God. We're not here to be used of the Lord. And listen, I, I realize that sometimes people come to church because they got a need. That's okay. I know people may have shown today, Pastor, I'm sick. The doctor gave me bad report. That's okay. You might be here because you got an issue, a strife, something going on at home. Maybe you lost your job and you're coming because you need God's help. That's okay. But if that becomes the primary, then you've wasted your time. But if we're here because we know the love of God is rich and it's entreating, it's full of mercy, it's full of grace, we can find our help out of simply loving God. Do you know today your answer is in loving God? Your breakthrough is in loving God. Your answer is in me. You know, I used to tell people a long time ago, and I'm closing. I used to tell people a long time ago. I'm not going to get to where I'm going without you. And you're not going to get to where you go without me. So you might as well.